Hello and welcome to the Virtual Clinical Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sunderland. This is a spot where nurses share their stories and their experiences to provide mentorship as well as help nurses and soon-to-be nurses just like yourself along the way. I hope you enjoy these episodes. All right, well, welcome to episode 10 of season two of the Virtual Clinical Podcast. I'm joined today by Denise Joswack. She is a board-certified holistic nurse and certified clinical aromatherapist. Throughout her nursing career, she studied holistic integrative therapies and uses them daily. She created the aromatherapy program for the Alina, am I saying that correct? Or Alina? Alina Health System and published research on its effectiveness in the Journal of Nursing Administration and complementary therapies in medicine. Denise enjoys teaching and empowering patients, families, nurses, and students. At Alina Health, Denise taught classes about self-care and integrative therapies, including transformative, excuse me, nurse training, and sat on the Penny George Institute for Health and Healing Nursing Council. She served as the integrative health clinical site lead for United Hospital as co-facilitator of their holistic nursing council. Wow. Denise is an author and international speaker, offering healthcare consultations, essential oil education, and an AHNA endorsed aromatherapy certification program through her company, Essential Health. For the past four years, Denise served on the board of the Alliance of International Aromatherapists and continues to act as their global representative. She authored the aromatherapy chapter in the 2020 edition of Holistic Nursing, a Handbook for Practice, which I have to get still, but I'm really eager to get. Denise volunteers on the American Holistic Nursing Association panel on essential oils for pain relief. She is honored to be a part of the, ju- of the jury reviewing programs that apply for, you're gonna have to help me with this. What does this say? Foundation. 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 Thank you very much. 2021 International Prize for a healthcare-based aromatherapy program. In addition to a passion for holistic health, Denise loves to travel, enjoys canoeing in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness, and cherishes time with family and friends. Welcome, Denise, to the podcast. That was the most impressive intro I think I've ever read about someone. <laughs> so many questions. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm honored that you reached out and you were like, can I be a part of this? And I was like, yes, of course you can be part of this. Denise and I have co spoke at the Essential Oils Nurses Conference, I think twice now. Were you a part of the, of the first? Yeah. No, okay. No. And yeah. Um, uh, and then this particular fall, I believe you also spoke at the Essential Oils Nurses Conference that we had completely online because of COVID. Right. And I love hearing Denise talk. She's a wealth of information. So I'm really excited that she reached out after, I think I, I put up this last presentation in like 20 minutes. Julie reached out to me and she was like, so how are you doing? And in like a five minute conversation, we, I, I was in, I was going to be a speaker at, at this conference. I had no intention, but I was like, okay, sure. I'll be, I'll be there. Let's do this. And I love hearing all the knowledge that Denise shares. So I'm really excited for her to really just spread her wealth of knowledge, but also begin her journey as a nurse. So Denise, why did you become a nurse and when did you become a nurse? Well, I was going to school at a local community college, and I was sure that I wanted to go into computers because that's what my dad did. And I knew the future was headed that direction. 
and I took some computer classes and calculus and, and, you know, back then <laughs> they didn't actually offer that in high schools at all. And um, I found out that I didn't enjoy the abstract part of that as much. Mm -hmm. it, at the same time, I was taking um, a college biology course because you had to take a science and I was loving it. And I also was working as a nursing assistant at a local nursing home. Never once thought of being a nurse, never. And um, one day after class, I went to work and I um, had to float to a different floor. And I was um, a little nervous about that because I had actually worked on that floor before. And then there were so many nurse nursing assistants out sick that I got a double assignment wow. in a nursing home. You know, that's a that's lot. A lot. Like one assignment is a lot of work, although yeah. we had time to interact with people and it was great. I loved it. But a double assignment, I was like, how will I ever do this? And so I just like kicked butt and and every new person I met, we had such a good time talking and getting to know each other and it went great. But that night flew by and then we would go and we would report to the nurse about what our day was like. And so and we were and we had to always punch out on time. That was very yes strict at this, this point. Still, this still is very important. <laughs> so, so I, I, I kind of like almost ran up to her and I set my sheet down. I said, okay. And I just started rattling off everything about all of the patients. And I included like a funny little story about every single one of them or a sweet story, whatever it happened to be. And when I finished, and this was a nurse who was known by everybody and highly respected. She's just the greatest kind of person. And she looked right at me and she said, Denise, you should be a nurse. And I said, what? And, and I, I said, well, you know, that's, I've never really thought about it. And so then of course I went home and that's all I thought about. I, yeah. I was awake all night. It's all I could think about. I walked into the office the next day and I said, you know, I think I'm interested in your nursing program. And she said, <sighs> applications are due by the end of the day, 3 p.m. strict, and you have to have your admission fee. I was like, what? <laughs> she said, and you have to know that, you know, we always get three times the number of students applying, so it's not likely you're going to make it anyway. And I walked out, and I was just kind of, I don't know. I, I was sort of overwhelmed, I guess, would yeah. be the word. And a really good friend of mine walked up and said, what's going on? What's going on, Denise? And I said, I think I'm supposed to be a nurse. He yeah. said, great. And I said, yeah, but I'm also supposed to have, and, and it was this like big application paper, of course, back then we're talking, um, let's see, that would have been the late 70s, <laughs> 70, uh, maybe yeah, 79. And um, and I said, and of course, there was nothing like a charge card back then. Um, there I know what you're talking about, believe it or not. I was young enough, I didn't even have checks at that point. I just wow. had cash, you know, from my job, whatever. Um, and I said, and I don't have enough money for the application fee it was $30. I mean, it doesn't even sell that much now, but I didn't. I didn't. I probably had probably like a hundred some dollars now, I think. It's, I mean, I think it's quite expensive. It's not like it's just chump change back then. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that would have been like six tank or yeah, six tanks of gas back then. Wow. <laughs> I know. So, anyways, I um 
Uh, and he said, well, how much do you have? And I said, I, I don't know, probably $5 and some change. And he said, okay, I'm going to raise the money, fill out that application. We're going to get your application in. And he sat me down at a table in the commons and I just started filling it out. And then wouldn't you know, I got chosen to be part of that nursing program. That's so wonderful. Oh, it what, was wonderful. What I a relief to be like chosen. To be. Yeah, meant to be. And this person that, you, that you've known as a nurse and, and looked up to, almost blessed you like a like a knight you know like a queen in the, in the night like I you need to be this person and you're like I do I do need to be that person and then when you get started you know you, you have these doubts and then you're like but this is what I need to do I need to I need to be this person and wow what a wonderful story to share about how you became a nurse because I don't think many people have the mentors that you had back when somebody said I think you need to be a nurse right you know right. and that's kind of really remarkable because, you know, students now, I feel like they need to choose something and perhaps they choose nursing. Most people I know do it because they want to help people. But the story you just shared, I think will light a fire in people that may not experience nursing in the way that, that you've experienced the beginnings of it. And perhaps maybe, you know, will travel into nursing. Right, right. Well, and I was really, because my father told me he'd help me with college. He's like, mm -hmm. Denise, why be a nurse? Be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I Same. said I research dad and I don't want to be a doctor. Doctors don't have very much time with their patients. Nope. I want to spend time with patients. And he's like, awesome. You'll be a great nurse. And that was that. Wow. But, but I mean, really, so I had so many choices. I could have gone into anything, you know, is how I felt at the moment. Yeah. And I chose nursing and nursing chose me. Nursing chose you. Oh, that's so, such a good line. I love hearing <laughs> that from people. I've, I, I have often thought about, you know, why I'm a nurse, but I was like, nursing? for some reason chose me and I'm very fortunate that it did, you know, thinking back to when I first started, what was your first nursing job out of nursing school? Did you stay within the same place that you were an assistant at? Did you go to a hospital? We did clinicals at several hospitals. One of them had a program that was called a student nurse employee. So we were paid what I thought was a, an actually pretty good wage um, to go. And we had a pretty significant training and did everything the nurses did except give medications. But we did everything else. Anything that we had only done in lab and had never actually done on a person, um, we always had to have our new nurse that was supervising us go in with us. Mm -hmm. But we, we did it, you know, and, and they watched us. And we would talk it through before if we were nervous. But um, that was a great thing. And I did that. So I had already had all my generals out of the way. So it was just finishing up um, the, the nursing degree. And so um, I did it in between that first and second year, because I finished that then in two years. And, um, and I loved it. And then I stayed on until, um, you know, I took my boards. And back then it took months to find out if you passed your boards or not. And it was, it was like pencil paper, right? The mailman, yeah. Yeah. you went to get the letter back, right? Well, actually, no, it was, you went to a room with other people okay. and had to sit X amount away and you couldn't have anything with you, nothing not even a Kleenex right and, <laughs> and then they took it and just disappeared and then you got a letter in the mail at some point wow. I know I know <laughs> think about the anxiety students have over waiting 24 hours for their results and I couldn't imagine them waiting a couple months for their results wow yeah. yeah and then I just stayed at that hospital so my first actual job I I 
when I was a student nurse, I was assigned to the special care units and okay. especially the cardiac one. Oh, I loved that work. Okay. And then when I actually was now a graduate nurse, they didn't have any positions open. And so I had started with floating. And then the first position that came open was on um, physical medicine and rehab. Okay. And I was like, I don't really know what to do with this, right. but okay, I want a job. I'll start here is kind of how I thought. And within the first week, <laughs> this nurse who later became a friend said to me in the elevator, so why did you apply for the job? And I said, well, you know, I've worked here and I'm, I'm really um, interested in this patient population. She said, well, you better not have done it as a stepping stone because too many people come here with the intention that they're going to get another job and it's not fair to our patients. She said, it's a great place to work and I hope you realize that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And then I ended up loving it. And I stayed over five years, loved, Wonderful. It, loved that work. That was how I started really loving education because it really was all about empowering people to be able to care for themselves mm -hmm. and having to step back and not do for. And that was a real different way of thinking for a nurse back then, right? Yeah. And I imagine that physical med and rehab provided itself a lot of educational opportunities because at that point, it's all education because you're sending the patient home to take care of themselves and have to reverberate everything that you've taught them in rehab at their home. Right, right. And also teaching the, the family or friends that are yes. going to be helping them, you know, because there were some people that were never going to get to that completely, totally independent status. And yet the family's desire was to have them home. Yes. So awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it was, a, it was a big, it was multidisciplinary. It was just a great experience. That's awesome. That's so wonderful to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And then I actually, I had my first baby, which, um, you know, I was an oldest child. I had really not been around children at all. I just didn't even know how that was going to go. <laughs> and I ended up totally adoring her and not knowing at all what to do with her. <laughs> and, the, and the whole labor and delivery experience, you know, I'm a nurse, you'd think I'd know more, but I really didn't. It was nothing I was interested in in school. So, you know, I just kind of skated through it. And, um, and I kept thinking, there is so much more to this than I realized. And then I had an issue because someone came to take my baby for an x-ray because she potentially had broken her clavicle and she wasn't wearing a name tag. And I put up a huge stink and um, <laughs> I wasn't actually strong enough at that point. It was very soon after she was born to just like go with her. Mm -hmm. And my husband had stepped out of the room for a very short time. And so I was like, you have to wait for him to come back. And then the director of the Mother Baby Center came and recruited me. <laughs> she wanted me to become part of the staff and head up their um, patient quality improvement team and figure out what we needed to do for safety for babies. So, wow. yeah, so we were kind of early on that whole initiative and had yeah. everything in place before that became a huge deal. In the a United huge States. thing, right. That, yeah. What a great thinker of that manager to say, you know what, I think I need to collect data and monitor this and make things better for people and do it in such a way that it's called quality improvement, you know, because I, I don't think I learned about quality improvement until my second nursing job. And it was really like hammered into me at that point. And I was like, why am I just hearing about this now? Cause my brain hurts <laughs> right? <laughs> because, because quality improvement, because then you have to think about how to improve things, but you really don't learn how to improve things. And if somebody's not going to teach you or enroll you into a program, it's very difficult 
to just assume that you're going to fix caudi claps or all these things and that's not even pe- like babies right that's adults um not saying they don't exist in, in peds i'm just sharing my you know my, my personal experience but wow what a what a manager even back then um to really paint that picture for you hey we need to improve what we do make it safer for babies and i want you to lead it did you have any she of that experience that she just asked me to join the community. oh okay and I did but join still. The and then I ended up being a co-chair of the committee eventually because I was so passionate about the whole idea yeah. of improving the quality of all of our care. And, and so we didn't just look at one thing. We looked at a lot of things. It was that's great. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. Sorry. I, I, I didn't want to assume that, that you were a leader. It just kind of came out of my mouth because you speak of such leadership in it that I was like, oh yeah, she totally led that process. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's fine. You know? <laughs> So after after that role with with babies, what did you do after that? Did you roll into education? So then I became a staff nurse on the okay. mother baby unit, and I was often a, a charge nurse, and mm-hmm. um, that's maybe how I really started getting interested in holistic health. Okay. And then um, that same manager came to me and said, Denise, we need a childbirth educator, and we want you to teach. <laughs> And I said, oh, no, I don't do that. And she said, oh, you are an educator. I said, oh, no, 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 no. And of course, back then, they didn't require speech classes. I had almost never given speeches in front of people. Okay. And I just said, I, I don't. And she said, well, you're, you're starting next week. I've got you on the schedule. <laughs> so more like a voluntold position that you're oh, being paid for. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she said, so I took you off this day. And so you'll need to come in and you'll observe a series and then you'll do a series with, with your, you know, preceptor observing you, and then you'll be on your own. And I said, I I don't know if I can do it. And she's like, you can. And that was it. I mean, I really, she walked away and I just sat there and I went home and I told my husband and he said, you'll be great. And I thought, I don't know. (laughs) So so I watched the first one and I was thinking, you know, maybe I can do this. And I took copious notes. And then I got up to do my first series. And I honestly had like my little book in front of me, which was only the first class, which was two hours. And, <laughs> and I was holding every note I had written pretty much, which was almost every word I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's how my first talk went too. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I started by saying, so I've never done this before. My voice was shaking and my uh-huh. knees were shaking. I was so nervous. I was so what nervous. Was, what was the talk on? Like, welcome to- parent education. So it was childbirth preparation. Oh, so you're teaching parents. I was teaching parents. Oh, that's so nerve wracking. Yes. Yeah. yeah. About how it was going to be to have their baby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, you know, granted, I understood the process. <laughs> it's just very different to stand in front of people and say it in a way that makes it really understanding for them and the person yeah. who was my preceptor was great so that's why I had every word written down because I thought I should do it exactly as she did and of course when you're trying to say words that aren't your own words that's sometimes much harder than you think so much harder oh, yeah yes. that yeah. was a life lesson of mine yeah so after the two hours were over they stood up and applauded it was the sweetest thing ever and this was probably 30 couples and and so then I I remember just laughing and then it got easier and it got easier and um you know probably for the first six months I did it still every time it was a new class I would be so nervous but as soon as I got into that first week then it got better and better and better and then suddenly I realized I 
love teaching groups. I love it. Yeah. And, and that, was, that was the beginning of that. And so, you know, now I teach out of Minneapolis College. I have my own education business. Um, you know, I just, whenever I, I'm happy speaking for any group, especially, you know, my passion is aromatherapy, but anything having to do with holistic health, I just mm -hmm. love, love, love sharing the knowledge. Yeah. I can remember that I have pop-ups hanging on my computer. I apologize. I can remember, you know, the first time I spoke was at a nursing council presentation like day. And it wasn't like I was presenting in front of my council, which was 20 people, which I had gotten used to. It was in front of the entire nursing leadership, which is managers, directors, your chief nursing officer. And I was like, I was trying to practice this presentation. And then I got to the presentation and when you say, you know, when you're not speaking your own words, I wasn't speaking my own words. And so I was kind of like talking, like I was kind of like me, 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 <laughs> and not saying anything <laughs> meaningful. And at the end of it, I'm like, did anybody even like learn anything from what I said? Because I think I said nothing of value to these people, right? We ended up getting a, an applause and some nods from people like, you're doing a great job. And I'm like, okay, great. And then I think, you know, at one point, Oh, it was the flight over to the first essential oils nursing conference. And I was still pretty, you know, scared of speaking in front of people. But I was like, well, I signed up for this thing. I have 20 minutes to speak on a topic that I'm knowledgeable about. <laughs> Here we go. And I made a presentation slides, but I had never spoken in front of, a, of an audience before, like of that big. And podium speaking was very new to me. And a lot of people I feel like have this excitement in them. And these people that believe in them, like you would be a great, great educator, just like your boss had found in you. And I remember literally on the flight over kind of going through these slides and I was like, I think I know what I'm going to talk about. And I didn't know what I was going to talk about until I was on the stage. And it was like magic. I mean, it was like, you know, you could speak, you know what you're going to talk about. You have this knowledge base behind you, but the magic that you get when you're speaking to people and not just reverberating, you know, a presentation that you've developed and, you know, you've, you've done this over and over again and it, it kind of gets mundane. This was like fresh every time that I, that I would do it to somebody. And I think that's where it sparked giving presentations and talking and just talking to people that are like you and want to be someone like you, or even want to be someone different than you, but what your ideas and that knowledge. And the final piece was, you know, if, if, if somebody's going to do it, it's going to be me because then other, someone else is going to do it. And that, and that in my competitiveness was just not going to be how it worked. <laughs> so that's kind of my journey to, to, to being a, a speaker. And I encourage, I, I highly encourage students to really become speakers because not only does it make you challenge yourself in what you're learning about, because you have to force yourself to be an expert, right. but it also helps you teach people and be a clinical bedside nurse, at least in my realm, much more holistically and patient with people because you've, you've now discovered about yourself that it takes a lot of work to teach somebody because I, because I just taught myself. So I now know what the kind of work needs to be that needs to teach other people. 
Right. Well, and they talk about the levels of mastery, right? That's one yeah. of the, the models describing how we are. And so the first thing is that you sort of understand because you've seen it and then, you know, you are able to do it, you know, and that that next level of mastery is being able to actually explain it to someone else. And that's when you're a mm. master of something. That's so great. And, and sometimes I have jumped into things and I'm nowhere near a master. And like you said, that's where you kind of have to jump in yourself. You really have to do your homework and make sure you understand the topic thoroughly and you can discuss it, you know, in an elevator with someone or you can discuss it in two hours with someone because yes. there's all of that that could happen in the moment of education where, you know, you could have several things you want to talk to me about and you might spend, you know, 30 seconds on one thing and then suddenly six minutes on another. And, you know, you just need to be prepared for anything. The other thing that I find about education and too, at the last holistic nursing conference I attended, they had a, um, a program on bias. And, and to be <laughs> honest, I only went because I wanted to meet the woman who was speaking because I didn't have any bias. So, right. but it would be interesting because maybe I could teach others. <laughs> so I went and, um, and we started and it was very simple. And, and then when it got to the point where the presentation was to begin, the two women that were doing it told their stories. And the one said the exact same thing. I didn't think I had any bias. Actually, both of them said that. And then when they explained the way they realized they did, and then eventually, and then they gave us time to think. And then we were, you know, however, we could meditate, we could, I was doing an adult coloring thing because I'm very kinesthetic. Mm -hmm. Like I can hardly just sit and, and think I need to have, be doing something. <laughs> Walking, yep. pushing. Um, so, so then um, I realized, oh yeah, I, I guess there's some bias in there. Well, darn it. What do I do? And then at the end, they really gave some good, you know, tools on how to work with that. And so I think part of education too is recognizing if we have any and mm -hmm. just acknowledging it and then not mm -hmm. letting it become part of what we think and what we say yeah. you know, with our patients, our students, um, anybody we're speaking to, you know, and then like you said, just making sure that we really um, feel comfortable with the topic. So. Yeah. And feel comfortable with going back into what we said and saying to ourselves, you know what? I see myself practicing bias there. I didn't realize it at the time, but here's, I'm going to change myself in the future. Um, yeah. I yeah. released this podcast with people's photos at the, at the first time. Sure. And I thought to myself, and you know, I, I had some, some, some thinking, excuse me, because I've seen a lot of podcast start where they have photos of the people and it's all great but someone mentioned to me why don't you just do your logo and I was like I thought about that really deeply they didn't mention anything else besides that it was just primarily a marketing thing for that person to, to talk to me about that but I started thinking about the impact of a logo as opposed to people's photos and to me I didn't want to have this implicit bias of people listening to these episodes because of who the person was talking and seeing that photo first, because we exist in a world that we have this hidden bias that says, because of the way that this person looks like, I'm not going to choose this episode to listen to. But in my perspective, the stories are still so important to share. And so that's why, you know, pe people will see on this season alone and last season as well, because I changed them over 
that there's no longer photos used because of the hidden biases that exist. And I'm so glad you brought this up because this is a really important topic for me as well, that, you know, we, we just get better at it and we acknowledge it ourselves. I don't know if you listen to Brene Brown. Oh, yes. But she has on her Unlocking Us, um, I'm going to find it real quick because it's a, it's a great episode and I, and I want to make sure that I mention it to the people out here. Um, it's her most recent one with Emmanuel Acho on uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And it is a gorgeous conversation of not only bias, but racism and everything else that exists within ourselves. And the most important message is you just got to get better at it. You just, you acknowledge it and you do your part to make it better, whatever it is. And I think that that's so true in our daily lives as nurses, bedside nurses, in our daily actions as getting my IV to be placed correctly the next time, you know, not beating ourselves over it and moving forward, but moving forward in a, in a positive way. Right. Right. Yeah. And of course, because this is holistic nursing, they also had a guided imagery that you could do where you, because sometimes I I would have to say if they had just left the class Mm -hmm. where, okay, now, you know, and we all walked out, I would have been so depressed and also at a loss of what to do. Yes. I believe that I am a really strong person and I can change absolutely and reframe things. But the fact that they give us this guided imagery was a great vehicle for doing that. And so, um, yeah, so I mean, there are many ways, you know, some are very just straightforward, and others are sort of spiritual in the fact that we want to change you, we want that to be less part of us, because we never intended for it to be there in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Quick question, though. So you had mentioned that as an experience as a charge nurse, you got into holistic health. Yeah. What was that? What was the turning point when you said, I think I want to be more into holistic health? Like, what was that moment for you that that clicked? So I um, was taking care of these moms on bed rest and all along in my nursing career, we always did back rubs. And boy, if I could tell new nurses one thing, give your patient a back rub in the evening before bed, because honestly, when you do that, they, their anxiety is less, they sleep better. It, it is a wonderful way to connect with your patient. They will sometimes ask you things they would otherwise not have brought up. I mean, it's just fantastic. So, but I wanted to do more. I just wasn't quite sure about it. You know, it was, it was okay, but I felt like there had to be more to massage. So I, I started massage school. I just, and I could have become a licensed massage therapist at the end of it, but I didn't need that. What I wanted to do was just use it within, you know, my scope of practice. And then I learned that infant massage was absolutely wonderful for parents and babies regarding attachment. It was great for gas and just so many other things. And so, and, and babies learning how to just calm themselves and sleep. And I was like, I wish I knew that. So I took a certification course. I could teach parents to do that. And then everything just kept rolling. I became very interested in aromatherapy and that became my top passion, but there was still so much else I wanted to learn. So I'm a healing touch level three. I've studied, um, breathing and guided imagery and relaxation techniques and I'm a Reiki master and um, yeah and a certified clinical aromatherapist at this point and then of course I became a certified holistic nurse because I felt like um, 
I was already on that path and I wanted, I wanted to know what that meant. Yeah. And you had all these tools in your back pocket. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a great process. It's through the American Holistic Nursing Association in collaboration with um, ANA. So, you know, it is an ANCC approved certification. All right. I might not be the correct terms, but it is an ANCC certification and it was fantastic. And so there's a big book um, called the Holistic Nursing, a handbook for practice. And that has uh, something on every topic. And that's the one that you mentioned that I got to write the aromatherapy chapter in the last edition. That's awesome. And they have scopes and standards. Sorry. (laughs) I was looking behind me to, to see if I had the the previous edition to it because I have so many so many books for aromatherapy so I apologize and I'm like do I have that book behind me but the new <laughs> version I definitely I definitely need um because of what we're doing at my hospital in general but I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but I wanted to <laughs> let you know what I was doing I look behind me yeah yeah it just came out in December so so yeah the previous one has been around for a while and it is possible that you have it I have several of the past editions because I've been so interested in it for so long and you know and then too you learn how the nursing theorists fit in with Mm -hmm. holistic nursing and you know it really it it just makes it such a huge huge um, part of how you practice you know that's one thing about nursing I love your podcast because it gives people so many options for how they can be a nurse this is not something where you are stuck in a job Mm -hmm. And, and I know sometimes nurses feel that way either because they think that they can't leave their institution because you know already they've gotten to a pay and benefit level. Um, but even if they're in the same institution, there's still so many other nursing, you know, areas they can move to and yeah. um, and and you know different roles they can play. And then again, sometimes just leaving might be the very best thing for them. And so um, you know, so again, I think that the holistic nursing piece we taught a, we had a program called transformative nurse training that I was able to be part of. It was wonderful. And it was 32 hours for those nurses. Wow. Um, And we had nurses that came in that were totally burnt out, probably going to leave the profession. A Mm -hmm. few made that really empowered choice to leave. All of the rest of them said it changed their nursing practice enough that they now loved nursing again. Cause this is this program. Well, the program was through um, Alina Health, and I actually technically retired in August. So my business is getting so busy that I just figured the timing was right. And so, so yes, I I don't do it. They still have it, I believe, but I haven't actually checked. I had not taught that for a while. Um, It sort of switched departments. Yes. Okay. But yeah, it was a great, great program. And, you know, totally based in short techniques that could be done for ourselves first and then also for our patients. Really, five minutes or less, you can do a technique that can totally calm someone's anxiety, help to, you know, decrease their pain and, you know, whatever it is they need and reduce nausea. There's, there's so many great techniques out there. Um, you know, so it was also acupressure. I love acupressure. I've studied that a little, but I don't know it well enough. And, you know, just lots of great was um, breathing, relaxation, massage, and then just like touching on all of the rest. Yes. Oh goodness. We were in the middle of the pandemic and I was not able to go see my massage therapist. And at one point I was like, I just need somebody to touch me 
and not like not like you know like oh good job pat on the back but like really purposeful touching that releases things and can like draw your attention away from what's going on it's just what I what I missed so so much in the middle of everything and the reason why I was asking about the transformative nursing class has to do a lot with how critical care nurses think I think you bring it up so well it's just these short five minute items that nurses can do healthcare providers can do that can really refocus things and re- reformat your brain because it gets really hard to do things day in and day out all the time. Right. Right. Well, and for nurses, one of our biggest things was, well, I can't get off the floor, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like, okay, how about just a couple things? How <laughs> about whenever you're feeling really stressed, you just take five slow deep breaths really purposefully. You can do it right where you are. (laughs) You can duck into the bathroom, whatever you need to, but five slow deep breaths. That can switch us out of, you know, our um, sympathetic nervous system where we're totally stressed right into that parasympathetic, you know, response. So it, it absolutely can be that powerful. Um, And then another thing was, um, you know, for patients, for our patients. So in order for us to be a healing environment, we really need to make sure that that we feel that way before we walk in the patient's room and have that interaction. And, you know, you can imagine if I walked in and I was like, so, hi, okay, um, so the doctor didn't call and um, yes, so we're gonna get a new medication for you and, oh, excuse me, ring, 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 um, hi, yep, oh, sorry, um, right, no, I'll be with you as soon as I can. I'm with another patient, right, yes, okay, uh, okay, bye. Sorry, sorry, it's so busy today. I'm it's all the time. Sorry. I just, okay. Um, anyway, so yep. So the doctor called and, um, we've got the medication ordered. I'll bring it in as soon as it gets here. And we're really hoping that'll help decrease your blood pressure. (laughs) That is, that is my life every day. You just described my life as an ICU nurse in like 30 seconds. I'm really impressed. (laughs) So, you know, now even just hearing that sort of makes you feel anxious, right? And the patients totally sit there and watch that. And, and, and there's no way that they're going to relax hearing that news. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, the medication's on the way, but my nurse is a train wreck right now. And I know I've done that. And so, you know, instead, what we what we suggested is as the nurse was foaming in, because everybody's got to do it, as you're foaming and you stand, you feel your feet just ground. And you take all those scattered pieces all around you and just bring them in and feel centered. You can get back to all those pieces when you're outside the room, but as you go in, they're not part of this moment. Right. So as you're foaming, you're breathing, and you're totally focusing on this next patient. In you go, and the, the whole encounter is very different, and very intentional, and patients understand that. They feel really um that you're paying attention to them and that you've got their back yeah and and it totally changes everything those kind of patients are not on their call light as much so you know initially nurses are so worried how will i add this in it's one more thing i don't have time for one more thing we even had people tell us by doing hand and foot massage they're at the beginning of their shift with their patients, they found they had more time in their shift because their patients were so much more relaxed 
and their pain was less and their anxiety was less. And so, you know, it, it can, and it made them feel so much better because they were doing really cool stuff for their patients that, you know, wasn't just another intervention they were told to do. And I'm sure it builds trust between the two people because you're giving somebody a relaxing method and a, and a trustful method that, oh, massage is going to make me feel better. This nurse is paying attention to me and providing this very specific calming thing. That means I'm going to have a much more trustful relationship with that nurse. Right. And yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to research this. I'm in an epidemiology class right now with my DMP and the first week the discussion was about positive epidemiology. And I had never heard such a term. And now I love it so much that I'm trying to figure out where that, where that fits in, in all these little places. And massage therapy prior to, or you know, medication delivery is one of the topics that I think comes to mind anyway, of, of positive epidemiology. If we provide this, then our patients are anxious less, then they get to go home sooner all of this crazy stuff that I think no one has really paid attention to yet. And, I, and that's where I got my love into holistic therapies is the notion that perhaps we could do things a little bit differently that didn't involve the way we do them now. And in a way that provides patients comfort and care and even myself comfort and care. I just mentioned massage, but, and, you know, a couple years back, I bring this up in a lot of different ways and in, in front of people, because I think it's important that I've experienced burnout before in my own unit and doing mindfulness and meditation for me <clears throat> was so beneficial that it literally retriggered my brain into being a stressed out ball all the time to just this calm flow of, okay, it's going to be okay. We're going to, it's going to be a great day. And this is why I love doing what I do. And it just kind of reoriented myself so well. And I wish that nurses, more nurses would get that because you need to take care of yourself first before you can take care of your coworkers and then take care of your patients. Because if you don't take care of those people in that order, you're not, you're not going to be successful. It's absolutely true. Mindfulness may be one of the best things I've ever learned. And um, one of the things about being a holistic nurse is that self-care is a core value that we and don't teach enough of, right? So powerful, not just recommended, right? It's a core value. And like you said, nurses are so all about everybody else. <laughs> Most, like, the majority of nurses that I've met are, are that way. They don't have time to fit stuff in for themselves. And so for those nurses, you really have to flip it. Like you will be better for other people if you care for yourself first. There is absolutely no doubt. And then, and then once you start doing it, you're like, oh my goodness, that helped me too, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, mindfulness. Um, so if people don't understand what mindfulness is, um, just a, a really brief story I have that I love. My father um, had a lot of cardiac issues and he happened to be um, kind of in and out of the doctor, in and out of the hospital. My sister, my mom and I, we were a little posse that always went along with him. And um, we happened to be up north. Our, um, we're in Minnesota. And of course, in Minnesota, everybody goes up north because you just want to be even colder than you normally are. But, <laughs> but for us, it was this beautiful little gorgeous town and this beautiful drive and the beautiful Lake Superior. And, and so we were up with another couple for our anniversary hanging out. And my sister called and she said, Denise, 
dad's in the hospital and um, he's fine right now. And they are doing some things that they haven't done before. They're top, talking about a pump or some implant. And I'm just not sure how things are going. And I've got it. Mom and I are here. We're doing fine. I just knew you'd want to know. And I said, thank you. And she said, don't feel like you have to come home. I said, I don't, but, but thank you. And I'll think about it and I'll let you know. And it probably took me all of about two minutes before I said to my husband, I need to go. He's like, good, I'm glad you decided that. <laughs> so then we were driving home and, and my sister is not at all, like we are so pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And so she would, she, she would have absolutely said everything was fine if everything was fine. So even her just sort of giving that little hint meant everything wasn't fine, right? So yeah. we're in the car. It is autumn. Autumn in Minnesota is gorgeous. And we were driving and my husband, after about, I don't know, like 20 minutes, I was just silent and looking out the window. He said, honey, what are you thinking? And I said, the leaves are so beautiful this time of year. I just love how Minnesota looks. He goes, okay, but what are you thinking? I said, no, that's what I'm thinking. And he said, okay. And then about 20 more minutes, he said, how you doing, honey? What do you think? And I said, I, I just keep enjoying this scenery. This is the most beautiful drive. And he's like, oh, come on. <laughs> and I said, oh no, I am serious. I said, you know, I could be there in the room in my head and be totally stressed out, but I'm not there. I'm here. Mm. So I'm going to be here until I get there. And when I showed up, I was so relaxed and happy. And I walked in and my poor sister and my mom looked a wreck. I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> and, and my dad was in a real happy state. They'd given him some medication. And he's like, hey, Denise. And, <laughs> and then I just said to my mom and, and sister, I'm like, hi. I said, I bet you guys could use a break. Do you, do you want to, you know, go get some food? And they're like, are you sure you just were on a long drive? I'm like, I am, I'm fine. I, so, I stared at the leaves the entire time and I love them mindfulness is all about like there is this other thing whether it's ahead of you whether it's behind you whether it's actually right alongside of you but it's not here in this moment and Mm -hmm. so you know even to have a mindful minute where you're having an incredibly stressful day and just to take a minute where okay I have this minute now and I'm just gonna breathe and be really calm and then you can get back to this is this is me now and then go forward into the day again and you're so much better than you were when you were incredibly stressed out yes oh that's so true i think at the moment when it was the second essential as nurses conference and sarah my friend sarah led the entire conference group into this mindfulness moment of being present and just taking deep breaths And I remember how much of a transformative moment it was for people. I had opened my eyes like I was cheating, (laughs) but because I wanted to, (laughs) I wanted to experience what other people were, were experiencing because I knew how much of a big moment it was for Sarah to do that. But I also saw that everyone joined together and everyone just sort of just opened their eyes at the end of it and just was present in that moment. And the feeling you got being in that moment was so unreal and just otherworldly that when I think of mindfulness and I first learned mindfulness back in my bachelor study at Westchester there's a whole eight week program we went through for like a credit it was like an easy and I was like oh yeah I'll do this I'll, I'll go I'll go practice mindfulness and eat a cookie sounds great um but all jokes aside 
it really transformed my thinking into being stressed about the cardiac. Like you love cardiac. I hate cardiac. Oh, I do not like cardiac. And so for me, that was very stressful. And so when I went through this program, I realized I can only control what's inside of me at this moment. I'm not worried about the cardiac test a week from now because I have to worry about handling what I can only do for class today. And similarly with the, with the conference, many people I think realized that they were okay to just be surrendering themselves to this conference and this moment to learn about the things and then go back and help others with what they've learned. I think, that, I think that's what everyone got from it, at least from my perspective. Yeah. It's such yeah. a- Yeah, and, and it's also so important to remember that we're supposed to be living in that parasympathetic nervous system response. That's where we're supposed to be living. Our autonomic nervous system is amazing, right? So, you know, something happens, you know, in Minnesota, it's like a moose, not a bear or a lion. But, but you know, you've got this thing that suddenly makes your heart race and your body just like tenses up and you're ready to react. You are ready to, you know, do whatever you need to avoid that stressful situation. And we've got all of these, you know, um, chemicals, our bodies, you know, um, getting us ready for that situation. And so that's awesome. You know, there's actually research that shows shows that short-term stress boosts our immune system, you know, but chronic stress. So that's the problem is there's so much that we live with every day that some of us are constantly living in a stressful situation or haven't let go of a stressful situation, right? Yes. And so we're so chronic stress has a significant effect on our immune system and also um, every system in our body, you know, is affected. And it it's the contributing factor to six leading, you know, causes of death in the United States. So it's it's so important that we find ways to deal with our stress. And stress is not the issue, how we deal with it is the important part of that stress happens right so what are we going to do so that's where suddenly i think it becomes really um, clear that we need to have some techniques you know and so we tell people you know whenever i'm teaching you know if you um if you love singing loud and that makes you happy then you just crank the tunes on your way home from work if that stresses you out and you like really soft relaxing music do that you know, probably you don't want to meditate while you're driving. That could be unsafe. But <laughs> when you get home, take some time to do that. Take a bath, go for a walk, do whatever it is that helps you get back to that peaceful state that yes. we are supposed to be living in. Oh, yes. Let go of the stresses. And that's not just work, that's everyday life. You know, that's what we, you know, what we see on, on media, what we watch on TV, you know, it's, it's, it's so much, especially this past year. So finding those ways to get back to feeling balanced and, um, and in the moment, super important. So that's such an important lesson for nursing students, because how often I meet nursing students that have a stress level that is just through the roof and nursing students do not have the resources at their disposal to help them with just breathing practices or using essential oils or getting massage or Reiki or you know little things at their disposal. They're just shoved into a dorm room, your traditional students, mind you, that 
they need to be at this place at a specific time, they have to take this test on a specific date. And research has shown that these states of high chronic stress for nursing students alone contribute to substance abuse during their first years of being a nurse. And I'm not talking about illicit drug use either. If you think about people that abuse alcohol too much, that is a contributing factor of that. You Coffee, know? Right? Yep. I mean, yep. <laughs> there yep. are substances that change how we normally are. And yep. yeah, and we tend to go towards that because it's an easy fix for the moment. Yeah. But it, it, it's so not the long-term fix that our body needs. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's just such, such a great, great point that you just made, the, the whole thing. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digest this for like a good solid day after this, like, and then take this back to my students and be like, this is what we need to do today. We're going to take five minutes to do five deep breaths and we're going to move on about our day. And I think it's going to help them, you know? I agree. When I was, so I went back for my BSN and I finished that in 2013. So it wasn't that long ago. Wow. Congratulations. Well, I wanted to be a bedside nurse. People over and over had asked if I would consider going into management and I didn't want to, that was not my style at all. Loved educating, didn't want to be a manager. Uh, And so I never saw a reason to go back. And then suddenly I did. And so I, I, I decided I was going to do it and it was great. I made every assignment about something I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing my communication assignment, the big one at the end of the semester, and we had to pick a persuasive topic. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to do my topic on the fact that every nursing school should have a semester on integrative health including self-care. And she goes, no, that's not really, that's not a topic. I said, oh, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. And she said, okay, well, I think you just convinced me it's a topic. So (laughs) she said, I I just want to warn you, you know, it's, you need to be really persuasive. I was like, I will. (laughs) This is what I know. This is what I've done for several years, but I'm not going to tell you that until research out there. Yeah. 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 So, so that was, it was great. And, and when it was over, and she had my little grade sheet that she passed back to me. She said, um, and I will be talking to our, our nursing directors at the, you know, about the fact that we should add this in. <laughs> yeah, that's fabulous. Look, look at the change you made with like one topic. What? I said, just look at the change that you made with just the one topic of what you're passionate about, you know? Yeah, and I do think that really nurses would be so different if we did add this into every curriculum. I, I just think it's really important. I agree. This past semester, I had a capstone student that didn't go to, didn't go to her classes because they were all kind of canceled. So what they did instead of was 300 plus hours of clinical experience as a capstone. Like that was their whole, that was her whole semester. And from that, she learned how to deal with stress in the moment, but I could also coach her through so many things that said, if you needed to shut things out, just shut things out. You know, if you need to just go home and just relax, like at least there was little things I, I, I could teach. And I thought that was a pretty innovative way of solving the COVID solution. This particular semester, there's dedicated wellness days. Um, sorry, you're hearing my dog bark. He's very jealous that we're speaking on, on a Zoom meeting right now. Um, but, you know, I don't think that nursing students take the opportunity to really shut themselves off from everything else and say, I'm just going to be by myself and mention, you know, what you mentioned before, sit in a bathtub for half an hour and just kind of just relax. 
Right. Well, and one of the things about the parasympathetic nervous system response is that we can think more clearly, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so if you're just, you know, feeling stressed and your mind's swirling, if you take the time to get yourself in a good place, suddenly some of those things that were so unclear just just fall right into place. And it's so much easier to, you know, assimilate information and to make good decisions. Yeah, it's really important. Isn't that the truth? I feel like you just touched on the part of your topics of healing the whole person and not just healing the mind or healing, you know, part that might be sore, but really focusing on healing the whole self. Body, mind, emotions, spirit. Yeah. And all, go ahead. Sorry. Yep. That's it. Oh, I was just going to say, and all relates to how the parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system really integrates with every single one of those things that really integrates into patient care. You, you just mentioned spiritual for a, a moment there. And I thought to myself about a patient of mine years ago, who was 20 some years old college kid who was riding a skateboard and got hit by a car and his dad was at his bedside like and family were at the bedside and spirituality does not necessarily mean religion but just but just hear me out they had a prayer circle of people from all around the world because their spiritual beliefs existed within that and for them that was so important that they had that that they kept reminding him the patient that these people are praying for you and they want you to get better. They're, they're praying for your wellness. And his mindset, once he could once he could hear that and focus in on that, went from, you know, someone that was just in bed all the time to someone that wanted to walk and someone that wanted to just take a few steps and became so focused on healing that the progression he made was just astounding. It was unremarkable. Right. Right. And there are a lot of cultures where their spirituality actually is a belief that anything that's wrong with us actually starts with our spirit. Mm. You know? And so that almost is an exact example of that. Yes. You know, that you, you, healing is, is possible in so many ways. It's not the same as curing, you know, but it, it's always possible to have healing. Yeah. Do you think most people seek for cureness as opposed to healing in today's in in the modern eastern medicine world western medicine world excuse me okay i was gonna say Uh, sorry i'm thinking of my directions and i'm directionally challenged today so there's that yeah i think right now there's a very strong feeling that people are afraid of dying and Mm. and therefore it's important to get that cure and um, and don't even always look at aging as a natural process. Oh, yes. It's more that, you know, this is now an infirmity I don't want and how can I make that better, you know? And yeah. it, it's, it's so, yeah, absolutely. I think that curing, but, but again, sometimes they're doing the exact things that are not going to help that. So, you know, if you have a symptom that's related to something and you, you take a medication, often the medication is only helping the symptom. It's not helping the actual issue. Right. You know, where (laughs) we were just talking about this with um, high blood pressure medication and and this idea that eating this really healthy diet was now causing an issue 
with the high blood pressure medication. And therefore, perhaps that person should just cut out those foods they had been eating because their blood pressure was a little too low and their potassium was a little too high, but their cholesterol was great and their weight was down. And, you know, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> but this was even suggested. If everything is looking good, except for the fact that it's interacting with the blood pressure and the blood pressure is good, how about we try decreasing the blood pressure medication? You know, it's such an interesting way that we've been thinking for so many years and yes. it's shifting, but it's shifting slowly. Yes. And, and, you know, I mean, I totally believe that, you know, surgery and medications are really important. People absolutely need that. And yes. there are also many things we can do that might um, make it so we don't need that. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. I can, I, I can, I can think of so many things. I just said, mentioned to my students last week that because we on my unit there's a lot of a lot of death and dying um you don't escape it on a neuroscience unit it's just the nature of the beast and i said you know there are worse things in life than death and that is chronic illness and the the minds after i said that just were like wow you've said the entire an entire life's life cycle of knowledge in that one sentence and i was like it's true People seek cures and fear death as opposed to helping themselves grow gracefully old and dying on, on a way that they want to. And, you know, when you're stuck on a dialysis catheter four hours a day, what, what quality of life does, does one have? I mean, certainly someone could, could certainly consider that a good quality of life, but other people would probably think maybe that's not really what I want to do. And maybe I should start paying attention to different things and what I do to not get into that position. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what is it like being someone who has done all this stuff <laughs> and I'm and like, because I read this and, you know, nurses, nurses have this perception after their bachelor's program where they think they only need to be a, a, a bedside nurse and then move on to another role in nursing without thinking to themselves, well, maybe bedside nursing could just be my base salary, as you will. And perhaps there's other things that, that I could do to also create a salary for myself, but also get involved in so many different things, such as, such as what you've done and really high level things of what you've done, that there's other ways that nurses can, can do this. I think and the first part, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, no, sorry, sorry. I think the first part of that is passion that you can shift and do something different. It's like moving from job to job. Mm -hmm. And that, and anybody can do that anytime. It just requires probably a little bit of education and dedication to that. However, if you're thinking that you really want to shift, then you need to feel pretty passionate about what it is you're shifting to. And so when I started learning about aromatherapy, it had to do with some personal things. And then it shifted to the fact that I thought it could make a huge difference for patients. Happened to be talking to um, the, the co-chair of our brand new holistic nursing council. And she asked if I would go to their first meeting 
and do a presentation. And I did. So I went to that first meeting and I did a presentation and it was great. And they asked lots of questions and it was you know, not, not simplified. We talked chemistry and, and taxonomy and botany and all kinds of things and therapeutic outcomes. And it was all evidence-based when it came to that. And then um, they, we finished and they asked me to step out into the hall, but not leave. And I thought, well, that's different. <laughs> So I did. And then within a couple minutes, they asked me back in and they said, so Denise, um, we want to make this our first project. And we were wondering if you would create an aromatherapy program for our hospital. Wow. And I was a staff nurse and I had done committees and things, but I, I said, absolutely. And then I said, so I'm not quite sure like how to how, how to figure out all the committees and departments I needed to talk to. They're like, oh, well, we'll have liaisons for you. And one person stepped up and she was my major point of um, contact for administration and everything else. She, because she lived in that world. So she could help me with the right people to talk to. It was awesome. So I created that for our hospital. And then um, we had become part of a system and the director of that system and their aromatherapist came over to see what I was doing. And they asked me if I would come help them in that moment, that day. Wow. And I said, yes, absolutely. And so I went and the two of us who were both nurses, both certified aromatherapists, put this program together and, um, and it totally at that point had become my passion. And we treated it as a therapy, not just something nice. And we, we created everything we needed to policies and procedures and nurse education, patient education, we had nurses in every area, you know, every area. So it was, we started with 10 hospitals um, that were our champions. Only 10 hospitals, it's fine. <laughs> I know. Well, we, we decided we were going for everybody all at once. <laughs> and, 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 and then documentation. We were passionate about documentation, that we were going to make sure that we had easily retrievable data. And then um, we rolled it out. And after two years, we started talking with our research department and saying, we need to collect research on this. The stuff we're hearing is fantastic. That's awesome. And so the research department agreed to collaborate with us. And we looked at two years of retrospective data. So after two years, nurses had provided 27,552 aromatherapy sessions with our patients. I know. Um, and then of course, because not everything was documented the way they should, and there was some other exclusion criteria, we ended up with 10,372 that we actually looked at. That was our data set. Wow. And patients reported a decrease in pain of 3.31 points on that zero to 10 scale. That's, a, that's impressive. Isn't it amazing? That's as much as much as some medications do. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, nausea was decreased by 2.02 and anxiety by 2.73. And we only had four essential oils and we only targeted four things. It was the pain, nausea, anxiety, and insomnia. And then we wrote two articles, which you mentioned, one in Jonah, one in Complementary Therapies in Medicine and their companion articles. And so we wanted to get the word out. This can make a huge difference. And then because of that, there were so many nurses that were asking me for more information about 
about aromatherapy. And at that point, I think I had about 750 hours of aromatherapy education. Now I stopped counting at about 1500. <laughs> and I study every day because I'm so interested in it. And, um, and so anyways, I, I thought, huh, I love teaching. Mm. And I love aromatherapy. And I wonder how that would work. And so I had had all these little classes at my house that were, you know, usually a couple hours long and people loved coming to them very, I mean, and when I say simple, they were all on different topics, including things like pain and anxiety and um, insect repellent, you know, I mean? yeah. <laughs> you know, all kinds of things. And I would talk to them uh, and in a very respectful way, talking about therapeutic properties and, and really um, informing them about the oils and, and then also they got to make their own products. So that was, that was super fun. But then I started thinking, um, that maybe I, I would want to actually go that extra step and have a certification program. And so, um, I, I was given an offer to go through a certification teacher training and purchase a curriculum. And then, um, and then I've changed it considerably since because my focus is healthcare. I love healthcare. So I've infused it with holistic health and medicine as much as I possibly can. And I'm just having the best time as an entrepreneur, which I never thought I would do. I have no business background. And, um, and so again, you know, it's just sort of that whole path that I walked that led me to that. Yeah. And when you were saying about, you know, people as their day job and making money, um, I there's a society called SCORE. I don't know if you've heard about it or come, uh, it's organization, organization probably. It stands for Service Corps of Retired Ex Executives. And anybody who wants to start their own business that doesn't know much about business, either take a business class or do lots of things through that score. They even set you up with a mentor. And oh, fabulous. Oh, it's and it's all free. What? It's all free. Yeah, all free. I know. So I've just changed my afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> But my mentor explained it as my lily pad. He said, right now you've got lily pads. And I still really loved my job at the hospital. I did. And, but I also loved this thing that I kind of wanted to become my big thing. <laughs> and yeah. that was the aromatherapy education and consultation. Because people have also come to me saying, how do I get a program at my place? And, you know, they may or may not have someone certified and they may or may not want to get someone certified, you know, so, so I, I do both. I do the education, the consultation. And until this could be an actual income, I just kind of kept jumping back and forth between the two and loving it all yeah. until I got to the point where I was like, I'm ready to live on this lily pad for a while. <laughs> and then, of course, once you start doing that, I have a feeling we're similar in the fact that we just keep doing cool stuff. You know, it's like, all right, now I've got this certification program. What other classes can right. I start adding? <laughs> what can I do next? What's, what's next Saturday look like? Can I figure yeah. out something else to do that day? That's exactly us. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and then I often get asked to like speak or write about aromatherapy and, and that also, I love both of those two. So this, I am living my dream. I you really, really are. I mean, I have read your bio, obviously we, we read it aloud and to, to hear someone go through the process of being a nurse, you know, treating patients and then finding that they really love something such as aromatherapy, holistic health, and then really going down the rabbit hole of one particular passion. And then not only that, but like 
exploring what that passion is, you know, and creating all your lily pads and becoming certified and getting your own um, curriculum. And then even, you know, saying to yourself, this is a good curriculum, but it's not my voice in the curriculum. Right. Going back, going back to your first ever presentation, you know, it's not my, it's not, but it's not my voice. And then creating a whole company out of it is exactly what people, I think it, it just inspires so many people to hear that story, you know, because I think a lot of people think that either they have to switch a career in nursing to either make more money or be happier or, you know, get excited about something when that's not necessarily true. They just need to figure out what their purpose and their passions are and then figure out a way of exploring what that means to them. And for me, it's, it's this podcast now, you know, <laughs> where, where it solves it solves a void where I can't speak in front of people in podiums, you know, and that's, I love doing that. I never thought I would love doing that because I was one that would shake in front of people and I didn't do well in my public speaking class back in my first bachelor's, but I found great joy in exciting people. And not only that, but through this podcast, bringing people together to share their stories of how they became nurses. And for those nurses out there in school that don't have entrepreneurial classes, seek them out if you think that that's what you want to do, or you think that maybe my idea that I have perhaps is a good idea enough that I could sell it, you know, kind of like how you have your own consultancy. A lot of nurses think that they need 20 plus years experience before they even start a consultancy. And that's not necessarily true. So long as you have knowledge behind it, you have, you know, the three steps of mastery behind it. And also that passion behind it that says like, yes, you're going to guide somebody in doing what something, something that you love and something you're knowledgeable about and making money from it. I think a lot of times as well, people often think that making money is a bad thing, especially in nursing, especially in side gigs, especially with something that you think I can make a lot of money on. Just do it. You know, just go ahead and do it and don't, don't create a conflict of interest. It's as simple as that. Right. Right. And create something that you're passionate about. I mean, a lot of nurses I know now on my unit, they are making their own um, Yeti mugs. Like they're like doing the, the cricket thing. And there's people that are doing woodworking. And I, there's a lot of people that really have branched out in the past couple of years that I know that have really just, you know, had the side game and it, and it's just this creative process that I think that helps keep them at the bedside, quite honestly. Right. Right. And I also think you mentioned too about um, taking classes on, you know, business or marketing or whatever it happens to be. I did take a marketing class and also realized that that is not at all where my interest lies. Mm -hmm. And, and there are things that I don't want to spend the time to learn because oh, yes. I'm really busy doing all of the really cool stuff yes. that I want to do. And so um, I think also asking people for help. And in the beginning, people are so excited for you. So I have had help from my entire family, you know, my um, 
my daughter is excellent at social media. My oldest daughter is an artist and has created so much of the art we've used. My son started by helping with some of the computer stuff and now he's my partner. He's just awesome. He makes everything on our student platform beautiful and formats everything. And, you know, and he's got all of those business skills that I don't want to take the time to learn. So asking for help. And like I said, people, are, I've got a friend who started she wanted to she loves research and she just wanted to help me so she's like give me assignments <laughs> so that's how we started and and you know as soon as we've got place for another person in the company she's headed this direction you know so I mean I think that you you just start asking for help from people as well and then there's all the collaborating you can do with people I mean you mentioned you know Julie Julie and I have collaborated on quite a few things and will continue to you yeah. know I love essential oil nurses and um, where and where they've been where they're headed I just think they're fantastic and so I I feel like you find those other people and part of these podcasts are collaboration too. I love that, you know, it's yeah. supporting each other in, in what you're doing and um, finding so much value for everybody. And I'm not as well, my family would say I'm competitive. I, I would say <laughs> regarding this, I'm not as competitive as I might be because I believe there's actually enough work for everybody. Oh, yes. There's more than enough work for everybody. And so by being really supportive of each other, we're helping we're helping each other and the industries will grow and flourish. And so, yeah, I, I don't think we have to learn and know it all. I think that we need to be really smart about when we need to ask for help and maybe even pay for help. Yes. And I, it took me a long time to realize that I'm just not going to learn how to code. <laughs> <laughs> many, as many times as I'm like, I need to learn how to code so I can build all these apps that I have in my head. There's just not enough time in the day or in my own caring capabilities to just sit there and learn how to code. I'm sure I could do it, but you know, the fact of the matter is number one, your time is money and time is the most undervalued currency that you have. And okay. if I'm spending too much time doing this and it's taking away from something else, so I don't want to do that. So therefore I'm going to find someone else that can help me or travel the path and talk to people about things and see where their expertise is and learn how to use their expertise to benefit yours. I, as well, I'm a very competitive person. That's probably why it took me a, a little bit of time to learn to reach out to others because I felt like they probably were going to take my idea and, you know, travel it down the road and, and all this other stuff. When in reality, the only thing that really matters is the implementation of your idea. That's it. You could have 5,000 of the same ideas. I'm sure there's other nursing essential oils associations out there, but the implementation of them perhaps is not as, as great, Right. Or, you know, why do certain clothing companies work better than others? Because clothing is a really difficult niche to get yourself into when you want to sell something. And it all has to do with the implementation. And I forget who I've heard, who I heard that from, but that alone really made me rethink about how I approach my own ideas and collaborations. And I'm kind of like, well, I can talk about my ideas with the people because I'm the only person that knows the implementation of it. I'm not talking about that part with them. And, you know, you're right. Collaboration just is so much better than doing it alone. You meet friends that way. You meet other people that have similar mindsets and even people that don't have similar mindsets that you can learn from. Your mind expands so much better. And oftentimes it ends up being 
something that down the road, maybe you have a need for them that now you have this opportunity for them or, or for yourself because of that too. So yeah, I just think it's all just wonderful what's going on now. And, and because of, I think because of Julie, I have so much more of a broader network of people that uh, I can reach out to and just chat on podcasts with, you know, <laughs> and who knows what'll, what'll, what'll be the next idea that comes out of our minds that happens, but I hope it's something fun. Oh, I'm sure with you, it will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Denise, do you have anything else to mention during, during our time today? Did we cover everything? Cause I felt like that was great. I felt like this was a really amazing discussion on what holistic healthcare means and really dispels a lot of rumors of what it is and what it's not. And even begins the conversation for others that have not begun the conversation just yet. Yeah, I think we covered everything too. And I had so much fun talking to you. You are great at this. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and I, I, mean, I hope that people really value from this information. You know, I think this is great for um, students for new nurses, but also for people who've been in the nursing career for a long time yes. and are maybe feeling a little stuck. I hope that they hear some of this and, and are able to pull something out that just really can help them. Yeah. And just become inspired. You know, this, this started out as I want to help my students, but I figured out that it's also going to help other nurses that have been in the profession for a long time that either really enjoy hearing stories of other nurses but I also went through nursing and, you know, for so long thought that this, this can't be the only way of thinking about things. And I don't mean any one particular item when I say that. What I mean is that, you know, we all face similar issues. We just need to start talking about it. And we just need to share our stories because that's going to dispel a lot of the craziness that, that goes on, I think, you know. And I wanted to create a pathway for people to be okay with sharing their stories without the risk of getting in trouble on platforms like social media. You know, I think when you're talking about something and you are meaningful and heartful about it, I just gonna lend yourself so much more capability than what you would have put out on a photo and a little description and somebody saying, well, what about this? And you're like, well, that's not really what I meant and kind of travel down that wrong path. So I think that alone, in addition to all those other things that are, we mentioned, are kind of the, the foundation of this podcast. So I'm really glad that you enjoy it. I'm really glad that you were on today. Thank and you. I hope that you're on again, because I'm sure that you're going to write about four more books, you know, <laughs> in the future, a okay. couple okay. articles. Huh? <laughs> okay. If you say, yeah, okay, I'll write four more books. That sounds great. <laughs> well, Denise, it was fabulous having you on today. I thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you again. Well, thank you. Thank you.